Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast, episode 40. Uh, I'm excited to have you here listening. I know, right? I'm excited to have you here listening to us 40 episodes. Uh, I hope you have been here uh, for as many of them as, uh, as you know, since Shannon and I started doing them together, we originally started out uh, pulling some information from our, li- like the audio from our live streams. But then Shannon and I uh, decided that we would like to, you know, open a conversation with you, uh, our, our podcast audience. So if you have any uh, comments, questions, um, you know, opinions of our podcast, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Our our Twitter handle is at McCann Dogs. So you can reach out to us there. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, uh, that's probably the best place to reach us. Now today, Shannon and And I are going and celebrate. Yes, absolutely. I mean, is it a... Sorry, I love it when the numbers are even. I get all excited. Oh, right. That's yeah. That is a big part of it for sure. Um, I, I mean, I guess it's a milestone. It's a milestone for us, and I'm pumped about. It. Now, the question today, the question, yeah, that's yeah. This is so. If you, I know you can't see this um, unless you're watching on our YouTube podcast. Um, but if you're listening, that was confetti that you just heard. She just popped a giant a handful of confetti. Uh, or, our budget or, is. Yes, I think we go for rice. I think it's a, we're on a rice budget and it's also safer for the environment, I think. And the dogs will clean it up. Yeah, precisely. Now, <laughs> getting down to task, we uh, episode 40, it's completely come off the rails, but we want to talk a little bit today about should you let your dog on the furniture? And again, this is a uh, pretty, it can be a controversial topic for some people. Um, And there are a lot of myths out there about people allowing their dogs on the furniture. And we're going to dispel that in today's episode. So uh, with no further ado, let's get to it. I'm Ken Steep and welcome back to McCann Dogs. Now, Shannon, this is a very common question from our some of our grade one students. Um, it's this it can it's discussed in our my dog can program. You know, this is this is a really common thing for dog owners to wonder: Should I let my dog on the furniture? Now, what was you've written a, a really great blog post on the McCannDogs.com blog. Um, what was your what was your motivation for writing this? Just this question coming up all the time and trying to figure out how we could explain it in better depth. Um, You know, one of the problems with only seeing people once a week is you don't get as much time as you'd like to answer all their questions. So uh, we're set up really, really well around here where people can call in if they want to. And one of the more common questions that come into the office is with management at home, am I allowed to let my dog on the furniture? And with dog training, there's really, there's very few things that you can say with any 100% certainty of black or white. Most things fall into a gray area where you're going to weigh out all sorts of things before you make your decision. So letting your dogs up on the furniture is no different than one of those things. It's not, there's not a black and white answer. It's really dependent on several criteria surrounding your relationship with your dog, surrounding their listening skills, their age, you know, different things that you might um, be struggling with can be affected by allowing your dogs to have access to positions of status, etc. But it's not so drastic. Years ago, people would say, oh, don't ever let your dog sleep on the bed. They'll think they're more dominant than you. And uh, 
the dominance theory has been debunked. I don't think that's news to many people anymore. It's not going to make your dog stage a coup and, and, you know, try to take over the world, but it does have an impact on their day-to-day behavior. So you do need to weigh things and see whether or not it's advantageous for you to allow your dog to be up on those uh, pieces of furniture, whether it be a bed, a couch, a chair, what have you. Now you talk a little bit about how there's no hard and fast rules, but that means that there must be sort of profiles, you know, uh, talk about the different kinds of dogs and, and how you might, um, you know, choose whether or not our listeners, for example, might choose whether or not their dog fits that uh, profile. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, let's start with your average well-behaved dog. So if you've got a dog that walks nicely with you and comes when they're called and isn't tearing up things in the house and doesn't try to play catch me if you can through the yard and all those things. If you've got a dog that is a good old dog and you live with them day to day or you've got a dog that you know you've made a good old dog because you've put in the work and trained them and they know the rules of the house, it's not an issue to let them up on the on the bed or the couch. Like I said, it's not going to turn them into a demon dog. It's a dog. It's not going to suggest to them that they are somehow higher than you in this in this uh, imaginative hierarchy that there is. It's not going to make them disrespect you unless there's already underlying issues with um, with respect there. So there's no problem at all with them snuggling up on the couch or snuggling up on the bed with you. And that's an enjoyable thing for us too. You know, I love it when my dogs are up on the couch with me hanging out and we're just, we're just being and and enjoying each other's company. That's a, that's a really wonderful thing. Um, I do allow my dogs up on the beds and up on the couch, as long as they're at that point in their life where we're no longer really in training. I don't need to make points with the resources around the house. Life is great. They have great general listening skills at that point. Yes, get up here on the couch and, you know, let's hang out and let's enjoy each other. So your average well-behaved dog, there's not too much to think about there except for whether or not you actually want them on the bed or the couch. Yeah, I think for this dog specifically, because I love, uh, you know, when we uh, hang out after, uh, you know, a busy day, we sit on the couch and we might have one or two of the dogs up in the living room with us. I think what I'm deciding for this average well-behaved dog, which I feel, uh, you know, our dogs are, the litmus test for them is whether or not they'll immediately respond to the off command. You know, if they'll listen, as soon as I say off and they understand that it's not, you know, a, a casual request that they need to get off. And I mean, maybe it can be as simple as I've got to uh, get up and press the button to skip the next Netflix intro. Um, but the reality is, if I say um, that it's time for them to get off the couch, that they do so. Yes. Yeah, without question. And that's that should be a caveat with any dog at any stage of life. If you find that you're having trouble moving them off the couch, um, if they're just reluctant because they're sleepy or something like that and you have to tell them twice to get off the couch, I wouldn't have alarm bells ringing at that. But if you say off and you get a hard stare or you get any sort of growling or snapping, that is an issue and you need to contact a qualified behaviorist and have them set you up on a program to help you work through that before it turns into a dangerous situation. So that's really the only caveat. If I had a dog that I did have a hard time getting off the couch, they would not be allowed on the couch until I had worked through that issue. So talk a little bit about those dogs who are in training. You know, the the, the dogs that we just spoke about are fit a profile pretty specifically but you know a lot of the dogs that we deal with are dogs who are learning to listen and, and learning you know to uh, to come when called etc so talk about the the different um, process and sort of the thought process with uh, allowing that young dog in training uh, up on the couch 
Yeah. So, and that can be a privilege, right? Sort of like the idea of my 16 year old that is really good at keep, not that I have a 16 year old, but <laughs> my 16 year old that is really good at keeping their room clean and does their homework on time and bring home, brings home a good report card and just is polite and easy to be around. You know, that 16 year old is probably going to get privileges over and above what a normal 16-year-old would get. I didn't mean that to sound as awful as it did. No, no, that's understandable. People will earn privileges based on their behavior, and dogs should be a very similar situation. You know, I'm I'm not going to give the keys to the car to the 16-year-old who just flunked a history report and whose room is a pigsty and who constantly broods through the house and says nothing but, you know, not-so-nice things on their way by. I I'm shooting myself in the foot by saying, here you go, have a car, because that that 16-year-old is not as responsible as the other one, they're clearly demonstrating that in their behavior. So if I have a dog that's in training, and it's not necessarily that they are, you know, not, not giving me their best behavior, but they just don't know yet. I have resources at my disposal that I can use to help boost our relationship. And those are, you know, feeding. Those are play and interaction. So if I can manage and control the things in my environment that reinforce my dogs, then I have that one up on them. So I can use an invitation up on the couch as a reinforcement. If, for example, my dog has done something I like, I and I'm hanging out and they've been, you know, maybe they've been laying in the corner chewing their bone politely for a while or laying on one of their beds chewing their bone politely for a while. That might be a good time for me to say, hey, buddy, come on up here on the couch and snuggle. And in my house, because I've had a multi-dog household for a number of years, I do like to control when and who gets up on the couch. So that is seen as a really special thing with my dogs. You know, when I say to Reggie, Reggie, come on up here on the couch and snuggle with me, he's really excited when that happens. So it is definitely something that feeds into that endorphin rush, that reinforcement that they get from, you know, learning the right things in life and making good choices. So you can use that to your advantage as well. And on the reverse of that, if you have a dog that is not necessarily towing the line 100% yet, and they're still, they're still in that gray area where they're not sure of the rules, then you can make sure that you're keeping them off the couch so they're not getting that reinforcement on their own. And it just, it's not going to, it's not going to affect your relationship by creating creating or removing dominance. That's definitely not the way it goes. But it does create a more mindful dog and a more thoughtful dog that says, okay, I need to wait for permission or ask for permission. And that feeds into the reinforcement of creating a dog that makes good choices. Yeah. And, and uh, what would an alternative be? I'm sort of, I'm thinking about one of our YouTube videos where we teach your dog to go lie down on a bed and go relax where, you know, that might be a great um, exercise for that dog who isn't quite allowed to get up on the couch with you. You can just send them uh, to go and lie down on their bed. Exactly. And that is one of the things that I spend a lot of time teaching my young dogs. So when I have a puppy in the house, if I decide to sit down to watch TV, it's usually a twofold. It's usually watching something on TV, but also training my dog at the same time. So I have dog beds in my living room that are assigned to the dogs. And, you know, when they go to their beds on their own, they're allowed to switch spots and whatnot. No big issue there. But when I say, okay, guys, 
go to your bed. They both go to their own individual bed. And most times there's chewies close by. So they've got something to chew and occupy themselves. And when I've got a young dog in training, I'll always make sure that I have some cookies in my pocket while this is happening. And, you know, maybe every five minutes, I think about the reinforcement schedule, right? So I want to make sure that I let my dog know being on that bed is a great thing. I can toss him a treat. And and we've talked about uh, varying reinforcement schedules a lot. So obviously it's not going to be five minutes on the nose, but sometimes you're going to wait 10 minutes. Sometimes you're going to wait two minutes and just what a good dog, throw them a treat for lying on that bed. And because they're already engrossed hopefully in chewing that bone it's just extra reinforcement value and it'll really go a long way to your go and lie down command and to really building that and making it a good solid cue for your dog and when we talk a little bit about <clears throat> teaching your dog or, or whether your or not your dog should be allowed on the couch it doesn't have to mean that they're you know laying on your legs or pressed up next to you you can be selective about what uh, pieces of furniture they are allowed up on and actually that can be a great skill to work on as well when we talk about some emotional control as well as giving your dog uh, you know some extra opportunities if they have been especially well behaved yeah, so it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be a generalization. It, it doesn't have to be they're either allowed on the furniture or they're not. You can have a dog couch, for example. You know, if you don't like drool and dog hair on your couch or in your bed, you can have a, a specific couch that they're allowed on that's got a sheet or a covering of some sort, and they're not allowed on the rest of the furniture. And that's that's an easy enough thing to do as long as you are consistent. So as long as you manage them well when you can't watch them. And that really means with a young dog, putting them in a crate so they can't make the decisions on their own. So I'm shooting myself in the foot if my young dog is left out loose when I'm not supervising and they just help themselves to that couch when I'm not watching. Unfortunately, even if I walk in the room, catch them on the couch and say, get off, even if I, I give them heck for being on the couch, the reinforcement's already occurred. So I'm not doing myself any favors. The reinforcement happens the moment that dog gets up on the couch. It actually happens when he makes the decision to get up on the couch. But from our perspective, it happens when they get up on the couch. And that's the point where we needed to be a second earlier. So as you see them walk over to the couch and start is when you need to say, hey, 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 you're not allowed up there, remember? That consistency is going to fuel your dog's understanding. And that way, when we when we have the ability to watch them, we can very clearly share the rules of the house with them. If we're not there watching, they learn the wrong rules. That's the problem. And I think this is a great point to make about being a good leader for your dog, you know, especially if you're watching your dog closely, closely enough to know that they are thinking about jumping up on the couch. They're thinking about jumping up on the counter. You know, when you interrupt that behavior with your uh, off or oops or hey or whatever you use, um, it's a it really makes you look like a very intuitive, powerful leader for your dog. And that's, you know, that's really a great impression for them to have of you. Absolutely. Now, probably the most common uh, thing we use with our dogs is the uh, idea that you're allowed up on the couch, but it's by invitation only. If you're really pushy and crashing your way up onto the couch, then you'll be asked to get off. And you talk about that a little bit in your blog post and talk about why that's such a powerful uh, tool to use or such a powerful way to handle that, uh, your a dog being allowed up on the couch. 
Yeah. So again, it feeds into the reinforcement. I control the resources. Therefore, I am the person that you need to look to. I'm the leader in this situation. You need to look to me for guidance. You need to look to me for food. And that just, it really gives us a boost in our training. It gives us a boost in our relationship as well. So if I can say, hey, you know what? You come on up here and use that as a resource. That's a really good way to reinforce my dog. Personally, I wouldn't really mind if my dogs let themselves up on the couch all the time if I had a single dog household and I never had any guests come over. So because that's not realistic, I have multiple dog household and I have for close to 20 years now had a multiple dog household. And I don't want the dogs competing for positions in the house. I want to make sure that it's when I've said, and I can I can keep things even, and I can make sure nobody's getting resentful and nobody's taking someone else's favorite spot, and that's not creating issues within my group of dogs. But I also like to make sure that when I have guests come over, I don't have 50-pound Ned just pouncing into their lap. Because as much as I love my dogs and I love my dogs pouncing into my lap when I invite them, my guests don't necessarily share that enthusiasm. So depending on who they are, I want to make sure that I'm not you know, setting them up to be in a situation where I've invited them to my home, but now they're uncomfortable because they've got a big drooly toller in their lap. So I want to make sure that my dogs ask permission before they get up on the couch, and that way I can assess the situation. And here's a story. So Ned very recently had kennel cough, which meant that his lifestyle drastically changed. Um, he's, he's a young, strong boy. He's over it now, and he coughed for about a day. It really wasn't an issue for him at all. But there's an incubation period with it. There's a communicability period with it that I needed to keep him home and quiet for seven to ten days. And through those seven to ten days, he got gradually... I want to say brattier, and I say that in the most uh, in the most affectionate way possible. But because he was pent up, and because he was not, he didn't have an outlet for his energy. And I, I played a lot of you know a lot of indoor house games and things like that. But it just it wasn't quite enough for him to stay on that nice even keel where he's just being a good dog. And suddenly again, he was like this puppy. And I had him bringing me shoes from the front hallway, and I. Had him, you know, looking for things to get into mischief with because his brain was buzzing and he's still young and and he was just pent up. And so during that week, I didn't invite him up on the couch at all. You know, he he got those things got revoked. Those those um, privileges got revoked because he was misbehaving. He was being a, a, a little bit less of an obedient dog that he usually is, and a little bit more of a you know not his fault. He was just frustrated. But I had those resources at the ready. So I could use an extra long sit stay, for example, while I was putting his food bowl down to just really reinforce. You need to be thoughtful. You need to be mannerly. Um, I could make sure that he wasn't jumping up on the couch and reinforcing himself. And I could put my energy into helping him feel less pent up. And I had tools to do that. So things like resources are really, really important when you're dealing with a young dog and especially one who's having a bratty week. <laughs>
I think it, it, something that our listeners can really take away from that uh, comment was that if they feel like their dog just always wants to be up on them on the couch, your dog may be, you know, letting you know that there's, they have lots of pent up energy, <laughs> you know, that they really want to be doing something. And maybe uh, at that point, isn't the time that you want to play a game of tug with them. Maybe you can, you know, put them in their crate until you're ready uh, You to put them in a safe place until you're ready to engage and in, in, in interact with them. But a lot of times, you know, that dog just needs a little bit more mental or physical stimulation. So if you find you're constantly struggling with trying to keep your dog off the couch, they may be, you know, be uh, showing symptoms of uh, another uh, problem. You know, maybe you need to go work. Uh, maybe you need to work on your, the timing of your off command. Um, actually, when you mentioned that earlier, I, I love the idea by uh, the dogs allowed on the couch by invitation only. And, and I'll include in the show notes a link to uh, one of the videos that we did on our YouTube channel that talks a little bit about teaching your dogs to not jump up. It's this big picture stuff that I think people overlook. They think, well, you know, uh, my dog, uh, if I just allow him to jump up on the couch uh, of his own free will, then, uh, you know, that's that's one little uh, thing that he can get away with. But, you know, the reality is that these little things sort of chip away at your dog's understanding of not to jump on people and not to jump, you know, whatever into the into your car and, and things like that. You know, your dog having a clear understanding of your expectations and what the rules are is so vitally important to the big picture of their dog training. Absolutely. And if they are thoughtful in their processes rather than being compulsive, we have a much better chance of catching things because they're so quick. If they're being impulsive, we're basically being reactive because the dog's already jumped up if they're really impulsive. And now you're having to deal with, okay, what do I do? How do I get it? How do I get my dog off? How do I convince him that that was bad? If we have a dog who thinks about it and because they've been used to saying, can I, if they look to you instead of jumping up, we have a much better chance of saying, oh, good off and getting a reward in and building that history of reinforcement for them, not jumping on people or not jumping on the couch. So just creating that thoughtfulness is such a great thing in dog training. And ultimately, all of us want a dog who listens, who loves to listen and, you know, loves to, in quotes, work for us. And that's essentially what they're doing. You know, they're, they're getting some value out of doing something for us. And it's something that I really wanted when I came to McCann Professional Dog Trainers as a student. I didn't know I had this wild out of control crazy dog and, and I didn't realize what I really wanted her to do was to look for me for more information and after like three or four weeks of our grade one program I started to see that and then I recognized the power and the importance of that. Now we now have an online program. Shannon is actually the director of the My Dog Can Online program. So we're able to help people achieve this these goals with their dogs remotely. And tell us a little bit about the My Dog Can program, Shannon. For sure. So My Dog Can is our grade one program adapted to an online environment. So we have eight weeks worth of video lessons covering come, heal, and stay. And these are for family pets. We want to make sure that we can keep our dogs safe with a good, reliable recall, regardless of what the distractions are that are out there in the environment. So teaching that is our top priority. We also want you to be able to enjoy walks with your dog. So we teach loose lead walking and stationary exercises exercises as well in the form of uh, sit and downstays. And those are so, so important for creating thoughtful dogs, creating emotional control. There's a lot of reasons to teach stays. Um, we, you get access to the videos for four months and you also get access to our Facebook group where we talk about 
everything to do with dogs. Um, sometimes we get off track and talk about things not uh, not dog related, but most of the time it's dog stuff. And it's lots of fun because we, I, I never know what we're going to talk about that day. I'll wake up and, and come into work and check the my dog can feed. And there's a question that I never would have thought of. So there's always amazing things that we talk about. The support with My Dog Ken is attainable through that Facebook group or through calling us or emailing us. You can send videos and we'll give you feedback based on the videos. So there's lots of really wonderful options for support. We held off on doing this for a long, long time because we didn't want to create a situation where our program was out there, but we couldn't support it. So we found a happy medium. We found a way to reach more people online but also be able to support people and help them through their dog training journey. So give the program a shot. You can try it for free. Um, go to our website at mccandogs.com and follow the link to online training. And you can take the first lesson for free. Get started with your walking, get started with your recall, and get started with your stay exercises at absolutely no cost. Yeah, I will include a link in the show notes below. And if you're watching us on our YouTube podcast, I'll include a link in the description below. Shannon, I want to wish you a happy 40th episode. Uh, it was fun that we got through this one. I was so excited that, that I made it through. I, I don't think I'll have to check the edit after, but I think I made it through without coughing into the microphone. I mean, I, for our great. listeners, yeah, I've been having this nagging cough for several weeks now. Uh, and I, may, I hope I don't have kennel cough. I know you'd mentioned earlier uh, an edit kennel cough. Uh, yeah, maybe I do. <laughs> Excuse me. I jinxed myself. Maybe you got it from Ned. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I mean, we, we were... We, we were tugging. I was tugging with him at some point. Maybe it's, I don't, I don't think that can happen for those, for our vets who listen, we both know that that's not the case, but I want to there thank you guys. To... So go Sorry. ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, the, I'm interested. There is actually a Bordetella um, strain that goes through humans as well, but I believe it is a different strain. than. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I would hope so. I would feel weird yeah. if uh, we both had to have the same medication, I think. <clears throat> I'd feel bad if Ned gave you kennel cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazier <laughs> things have happened. Maybe. Regardless, I need to get over this cold. With that said, I want to thank you guys for listening. If this is your first time on our podcast, uh, we publish new episodes every single week to help you understand the why behind how dogs think and learn. And uh, definitely hit that subscribe button because uh, we'd love to uh, help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member. And on that note, I'm Ken and this is Instructor Shannon. Happy training. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.